Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway. Like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Welcome to the Fighting on Film podcast, the podcast all about classic and obscure war movies. From the Normandy landings to the days of chivalry and swords, if it's been captured on film, we're going to try and cover it. I'm Robbie of RM Military History. I'm Matthew Moss of Historical Firearms and the Armourer's Bench. Welcome back to Fighting on Film. This week it is our Patreon pick episode. Now, as you, you may be aware, if you're new to the show or if you're a long-standing listener, we'll remind you again every month we put four movies up to our patrons over on our, our Patreon account. And this week, um, there was, well, this month, sorry, there were some some really good films up for grabs. It was still Bayonet, I think. We had yep. um, uh, Strostrup in 1917, yep. uh, Hamburger Hill, and I can't remember the last one. It was my bloody pick. Uh, was it 13 hours? Yeah, I think it was 13 hours. Yeah, 13 hours again. It might not be. It's been a long week. I was long surprised week. by how well they all did and how widely spread it yeah. was. Oh, no, it was Three Kings, wasn't it? It was Three Kings. Oh, yeah, it. yeah. That's right. You've done you've done 13 hours on, on your picks for a couple of times. Yeah, it was very 13 close. 13 hours is your blower, I think. <laughs> it will become that, I think. <laughs> um, but but this month, um, Hamburger Hill won. Um, won by a bit of a, not a landslide, actually. It was um, quite close. It was only two votes in it. Respectable lead, but yeah. Yeah. yeah, so so this week, and it's one of my most, one of my favouritest sort of war movies um, and Vietnam movies um, in the genre. Uh, re- I think it's really underappreciated, but we'll get into that as we go along. But we want to thank everyone who listens, everyone who supports us, everyone who follows us on Twitter, on Facebook, everyone who's bought a piece of merchandise, helped the podcast since we started in October 2020, because last week, I think it was Thursday or Friday, we hit 100,000 downloads and it is just incredible. So thank you so much. Absolutely amazing. Yeah, I mean, and we had an outpouring of people just saying like, you know, well done on, on the Twitter and stuff. It was such so nice for some familiar faces and some guests that we've had to to sort of like, you know, champion us a little bit that day. It was it was so nice. Um, it was, it was lovely. I mean, yeah. 
I we we knew it was, it was steadily getting towards that for the last week or so because we mm. we saw it on the stats and but I I still can't believe it's happened. I'll be honest. No, it's really surreal, isn't it? Yeah. This thing that this thing that me and Matt do and like we put it out there for people to enjoy and stuff. And we never thought we'd get where we are and have had have had the sort of people that we've had on. You know, we never thought we'd be up there, but to be in that sort of world with you, we have oasis and you you know, your history hits and stuff to be, to be in that world is really nice. Um, and we'd love it. So, so just thank you so much for everyone who supports us. Absolutely. Mm. And, and another, another thing as well, we should mention yet again, that the fourth shop is open and thanks to everybody who's ordered something already. Um, it's been, we were we were so surprised, um, at the uptake. Uh, and we really hope that all your fourth merchandise has got to you safe and sound. And, and if you have bought something, please tweet us and, and we'd love to see it. Yeah, send um, us a photo. Yeah. I always like that. That's that's great. I'd love to see the, it. When, when people did that with the um, the fundraising t-shirts, that was great. Yeah, we'll do that. And we'll do that again, I think. We'll do another another charity drive at Christmas. Absolutely. Again, I yeah, I think I think at Christmas we'll have to come up with, uh, with a new design. Maybe, Maybe Santa, like, good. dressed as an AFPU member or something. Oh, yeah, that'd be, that'd be great. That'd be <laughs> that'd really be cool. cool. Signal Corps Santa. That'd be cool. Um, <laughs> SSVC <laughs> so, Santa. Yeah, exactly. So I guess we should get into 1987's Hamburger Hill. And to give you a elevator pitch before we go into production, the movie is the story of Hill 937, which is a battle in the Vietnam War in May 1969. Uh, the 101st Airborne uh, for a, a bitter battle for this hill against um, NVA troops. Um, and it is a movie about one platoon's experience of that battle. And that is pretty much a plot. Yeah, uh, it's B Platoon, 3rd Battalion, 187th uh, Infantry, 101st Airborne, and it was the Battle of uh, at Bai Mountain uh, in the the Aishau Valley. Um, mm. uh, was it May 69? I think it was May 69. May 69, I think it was yeah. t- uh, like the 10th to the 20th. Yeah, 10 days, uh, 10 day battle, struggling yeah. up that hill. Um, came known as a, a bit of a meat grinder, hence Hamburger Hill. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, let's, should we dive into it? I th- I'm looking forward to this one. I think we should. So, beginning with production this week, um, it's a, it's a, a return director. We have John Irvin, uh, who directed The Dogs of War and When Trumpets Fade as well. So We've done the trilogy. This is, this is the third yeah. John Irvin film that we've covered. Uh, he made a series of documentaries in the UK in the 60s. Um, most interestingly, uh, Beautiful, Beautiful, which is a, a documentary which follows a series of uh, combat photographers and journalists in Vietnam in 1969. So he mm. had some experience in country, which fed into the film directly. After uh, a number of uh, documentaries in the 60s and 70s, he did lots of TV work, culminating with the 1979 adaptation of Tinker Tailor, Soldier's Spy, and then... He had a whole slew of really successful films, starting with Dogs of War in 1980, which we've covered on the pod. Um, Raw Deal with Arnold Schwarzenegger in 1986. Yeah. These are just the sort of military theme ones. He has a really interesting career where he, he dives back and does quite soft, interesting um, mm. and some romantic pieces. And then he'll come back to Hollywood and do some hardcore, more action-based stuff. Action gun-ho type work. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, following Raw Deal, he did Crazy Horse in 96 and then in 98, uh, When Trumpets Fade, which we've also covered on the pod. Um, the film was written by James 
Karabatsos, um, and he was with the 1st Cavalry Division Airborne in Vietnam from 68 to 69, so he had experience as a, as a vet. He wrote the 1977 uh, Vietnam PTSD commentary movie, uh, Heroes. Um, probably his best-known work is is this, and 1986's Heartbreak Ridge with uh, no, Clint Eastwood. Yeah, oh, wow. yeah. And 2001's Lost Battalion. Okay. Yeah, which is right. another one I really like. Yeah, um, it's a good one. He produced the film alongside Marcia Nassiter, who was, I think, one of the first uh, female vice presidents of like a, a big movie company. I think mm. cinematography was by Peter MacDonald, who had a really interesting career. Um, started out as a uh, camera operator, worked on Cromwell in 1970, Bridge Too Far in 77, Zulu Dawn in 79. Uh, he was also the second unit director on Zulu Dawn. And he went on to do the aerial uh, photography uh, with Rambo 2, First Blood. He directed Rambo 3 in 88. And he did a, a really interesting movie with Jean-Claude Van Damme in 1998 called The Legionnaire, which is about okay. French Foreign Legion, which is one that yeah. I think I've put on a former Patreon pick and it didn't, didn't really get picked up. Yeah, it hurts um, for happens, doesn't it? It like, does, doesn't it? Yeah. It's a movie. good film and I wanted to discuss it anyway. <laughs> yeah. um, so the film was edited by Peter Tanner, who had an almost possibly more interesting career. So he started out on The Cruel Sea in 1953, Angry Hills in 59, uh, Light Up the Sky in 1960, and then a bit of a left turn, he did Wombling Free, the Wombles movie in 1977, wow. and uh, A Game for Vultures, uh, a film about the Rhodesian Bush War in 1979. Richard Harris and Richard Richard Harris. It's got catching. That Harris. lisp is catching. I, I'm sorry. Yeah, I know. Yeah, it's got Richard <laughs> Harris in that one, hasn't it? Yeah. Yes, it is. Yeah, I mm. never heard of that one until I came across it doing some research for it. I'd seen the poster, but I didn't know what it was about. And yeah, it looks interesting. I need to like, dig into that a little bit more. Yeah. Uh, the music was was uh, composed by Philip Glass, the well-known American composer. I'm not entirely sure. It, it adds a lot to the film. But that's I think a it debate takes a lot away. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Um, the film was produced by RKO Pictures. It was um, almost independently funded and then picked up by Paramount later on. Uh, it was shot in, in uh, the Philippines um, and it was distributed eventually, as I said, by Paramount Pictures. It, it's one of those movies, it, it comes out, doesn't it, um, after Platoon and, and sort of before, just I think it's before or after Full Metal Jacket. I can never remember. I, is it the third of the three? Because oh, Platoon yeah. came out first and then they rushed out. Um, Platoon 86. Jacket. And then these came out in the same year. And yeah. I think Hamburger Hill might be the last or the third. Um, I think so. It's the third of those big ones. And it's like golfed by those two movies, I always feel. Yeah. Um, like, I just, I don't, I feel like the the pacing of this one, the, the sorry, the not the pacing, but like the spread outness of these movies could have been a little bit, longer to let them all breathe yeah the release date yeah yeah like it, it just feels like hamburger hill is the not the lost norm film that's completely wrong but it, it's the most underappreciated of the three it's overshadowed isn't it a little bit by apocalypse now yeah um full metal jacket and platoon definitely because they're like because juggernauts of that they are whenever genre. you mention vietnam films everyone's always come up first but i think this is right up there i think yeah i mean we talked about this the other day but Full Metal Jacket and Apocalypse Now come at this from a more artistic, arty filmmaking standpoint, whereas Ervin's Hamburger Hill is very much more straight down the line. It's it's a nuanced piece of filmmaking. Don't get me wrong, mm. but it's not of the it's not got the same 
indulgence in yeah i think we think of kubrick and and, and Coppola, more gritty i think yeah like as these sort of art or filmmakers who like defy the genre and defied every genre that they tried when, when they made movies um but when you think of john irving you don't necessarily put him in the same category even though no he's made some absolute belters you know dogs of war it's a fantastic film um but you won't you're not going to put irving unfortunately in the same bracket as kubrick like it's just not they're not the same type. They're not the. the sorry, they're, they're not, not held up. They're not held up yeah. in the same way. That's for sure. And they're not a comparable movie makers either. You know, in their mm. field, I don't think um, it'd be unfair to to compare both uh, as to each other. Um, but Hamburger Hill, yeah, is it? It's a. As we'll say later, it's a different type of Vietnam movie for me um, yeah. than those movies. I think you're right. But we should just quickly round up the cast. Um, and this one's very really interesting. So, whereas. Um, a little bit like Full Metal Jacket, where Modine is coming off of a, a few credits and he's not as big of a star as he would later become on to be after Full Metal Jacket comes out. Um, not like Apocalypse Now, where you've got Duval, Martin Sheen, all these sort of... All Harrison these Ford pops up. Harrison Ford, yeah, all these names. Yeah, Brando. Let's not forget Brando. <laughs> Brando, exactly. Marlon Brando, exactly. You, you've got names in it. Hamburger Hill has a really raw, young cast and... A lot of the actors have just faded into obscurity or just gone on to do TV work, but there are a few standouts. So we have Dylan McDermott as Sergeant Adam France. He's the he's a sort of old, sorry, wise beyond his years sergeant. Um, and he he's his, his film debut in Hamburger Hill, and he also uh, appeared in Line of Fire in 93. And he played Bobby O'Donnell in the practice uh, American medical drama um, throughout the, the 90s. It was one of his biggest credits. Um, and he's now a regular on the American Horror Story franchise. And you know how they, oh, right, okay. they, you know, they, they are the same actors, but different stories every time. Yeah, like anthology anthology. Stuff, yeah. yeah, he's one of those. He's one of the guys in that. Um, you've got Stephen Weber, Sergeant First Class Ennis Worcester. Now, he was Hackett in Wings for seven years in the 90s. That's his yeah. biggest credit. Um, and he voiced, for me, this is one that stood out for me just because I'm a child of the 90s. He voiced Charles B. Barkin in All, Go- All-, All Dogs Go to Heaven Christmas Carol. Which <laughs> <laughs> When I saw that in his credits, I was like, oh, my God, like, there's a Hamburger Hill connection to one of my favourite Christmas cartoons when I was young. Like, it was, <laughs> it was so amazing. <laughs> just thought I'd sneak that in. And then you have a, a tour de force performance by Courtney B. Vance as Doc. Um, he's one of the real standouts in this. Just, he, he's just fantastic. He gets some of the best Every lines. Every scene he's in, is, it's just money. Steals the show. Like, he's yeah. just fantastic. Um, you really feel like he cares about the men under his care as a medic. Um, but he was Jones in 1990 in The Hunt for Red October. And he was also in HBO's oh, Tuskegee Airmen. Yeah. yeah. In, in 95. And he, most recently, the thing I know him from, which is, is a good series, actually, he was Johnny Cochran in uh, 2017's The People versus O.J. Simpson. Oh, right. Okay. Good, isn't it? Yeah. That's a really good series, actually. Um, I'd recommend it. Uh, you got Michael Boatman as Motown. Uh, he played Beckett on China Beach from 1988 to 1990. So he turned up in another Vietnam uh, series there. Um, and he was Stanley Babson on the HBO comedy Arliss, which was like a a sports-based comedy in the 90s. Uh, And then possibly the biggest actor now, um, who who at the time was sort of cutting his teeth, um, 
was Don Cheadle as Private Washburn. Very young looking Don Cheadle. And I think now he's most well known for being War Machine in the, in the MCU. Um, but he also was Oscar nominated for his role as uh, Paul uh, Resib Bagina in uh, 2004's Hotel Rwanda, which is a, an, yeah. a, an amazing film, if you've not seen it. And then he, uh, he was Bashatar in the Oceans franchise with his shocking Cockney accent. He was. Um, I was thinking about that as soon as, yeah. Um, but this is a, yeah. The it, less said about that, the better, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wouldn't get an Oscar nod for that one, let's put it no, that way. No, no. But this is one of his more different roles. You don't necessarily think of Don Cheadle as being in a war movie. And he, I think he's quite, he does quite well. He, he's sort of, he's at the background at the start and then he comes in and he, and he befriends Doc and Motown towards the end. Um, and, and I think he's one of the people that survives it. Uh, I think yeah, he does. I think he might be. Um, yeah. It, yeah, it's it's interesting, isn't it? Because so many of these are early stage careers. And I, mm. I think this this is uh, this is Cheadle's first major film credit. Big credit. It's Vance's first. Um, and as you said, it's... it's the, McDermott you know, as well. McDermott yeah. as well. Um, but I think that whole cast really does so well. Mm. And I think the fact that they're young not only helps because you know, they're, they're young actors and they're eager, but also it represents the age of the men fighting the actual battle yeah, far better combat. than most other Vietnam films do. Yeah, you know, the combat infantryman is well represented age-wise here. There's no, there's no like mid-30s no, 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 actors. Right. <laughs> yeah, true. But there's no like mid-30s <laughs> actors or, um, you know, people getting a little bit older um, where you would term them lifers if they were a little bit older. There's no... <laughs> yeah. There's no one too old in this. Um, 75 year old PFC. <laughs> yeah, there's no, 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 you don't get that. That's something I think Platoon gets away with, actually. I think that Defoe and Berenger are maybe a little bit too old. Um, but that's for another day. It kind of works because they're Platoon sergeants. And, yeah, it and does. Stuff, it works. But, yeah. but you know, um, and, and their performances were good, weren't they, anyway? But anyway, continuing. So we've got uh, Tim Quill as uh, Private Joe Beletsky. Uh, and, and again, Hamburger Hill is his debut, uh, debut role. Unfortunately, he passed away at age 54 in 2017, but he was Alan Sosa in 2012's Argo, and he had a reoccurring role in the Jag military legal drama. Uh, Anthony uh, Barriel plays uh, Private Vincent uh, Alphabet Languilli, um, and his first credit was 1985's uh, Friday the 13th, New Beginning, and then 1997's Kiss Me uh, Guido, which is one of his favourite roles, apparently. Um, but he's done lots of stage work, got lots of plaudits for, for his stage work too. And then you have Don James. Um, he plays Private Mac McDonnell. He's the uh, the thumper. He's on the M79 uh, grenade launcher. Yeah. He's Motown and Doc's friend that you see at the start with the really nice in-country made... Uh, he's the short-timer. Bandolier. That's the guy. Yep. And uh, he, he was also in another Irving film. Uh, he was in Next of Kin in 1989 with Patrick Swayze. He was in that one. Uh, and then you've got Daniel O'Shea as Private Frank Jigin. He's the M60 gunner, and he's just extensive TV work. Uh, Tommy Swirlow as uh, Private uh, Bienstick, Bienstock. And he's a writer and actor who actually co-wrote Cool Runnings. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, he's one okay. of the writers on Cool Runnings. And he most recently, one of his bigger credits, is uh, working on the writing on 2018's The Grinch, which I thought was quite interesting. Rounding out the cast, you've got Michael Dolan as the radio operator, Harry Murphy, and he had small. He's had a lot of small roles in films and TV, including Law and Order and Courage Under Fire. So it's not a huge film in terms of names, maybe at the time. But as as we've said in other films uh, about other films, when they don't have the big names, 
I feel it can enrich a movie because you can get lost in the characters and you're not, you know, when you see a Tom... It's not a distraction. Yeah, exactly. A Tom Cruise is always going to be a Tom Cruise. A Tom Hanks is Tom Hanks playing a role. Yeah. Whereas yeah. this one allows you to, to lose yourself in the role, like, because the performances, you know what I mean? Like, it, it helps the movie, I feel. I, no, I agree. I think it really does. I think that that it's a young cast that brings a lot of skill and enthusiasm and it, it comes across on screen. I think mm. it, some some reviews discounted it as some of them are the characterizations aren't accurate or performances yeah. are weak, but I don't get that at all. I um, don't think so too. Like everyone, they feel young and they feel like they shouldn't be having to do the things that they're doing. Yeah, they're seeing things that they shouldn't be seeing and that's yeah. the whole point of the film. Uh, and those bits where they're talking about home wouldn't work as well if they if they weren't so young i don't think no, exactly and they're you know they're getting their letters home and you know, how how the war is being seen in in the states and they're just young kids but they're being perceived as something that they're not so you get the you get the scene where the, the chap gets a letter and the, and the girlfriend's not going to write to him because yes. her yeah. college friends have told her that it's immoral and it's like well hang on a minute it's not this gi's fault that the war's being fought. no exactly not... and i i suppose a lot of people encountered that yeah um, exactly I, in... I think we'll talk more later on about how the film portrays the contemporary uh appreciation of the war and the the, the reaction back home and and stuff because it's so interesting the way the film ties all that in and weaves it into the into the the way that the characters grow and stuff doesn't bat you over the head with it either no. which is nice so i think this week matt you had a retro review for a change i did i had a little bit of something um there was a short article i found on uh, the chicago tribune and basically took the opinions of a lieutenant or lieutenant that was at the battle uh, called philip robinson and he said the movie is more about shock effect than truth i don't want to discredit the brave men who fought and died there but there are men who were not there who wrote this story it's hard to cram 10 days of intensive fighting into a movie that runs just under two hours, I know. He felt that the film sentimentalised uh, individuals okay. and missed some of the wider context around the, the battle. Um, right. He says that Nixon had just been elected the previous November and we all thought the war would be over in the next six months. We thought this was the last battle. I think that's really interesting. It's one man's perspective. We've got to bear that in mm. mind. Um, mm. But I think it's really interesting that he perhaps felt there was more shock effect than truth. I think that's the most okay. inter- one of the most interesting parts of that little. My only rebuttal to that would be the movie is about a single platoon who were dropped in to the battle, who were there just to, they're following their orders, take the ridge, take the hill. That's yeah. their orders. So you're seeing it, you're not seeing it. If it's not a grander strategy type movie, it's not like Danger Close where they, they beat for beat the battle. You yeah. Know, these, these guys they start off behind the lines they get their orders they're in the battle then they're not in the battle anymore and 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 then it implies at the end that that was just the start of the battle for those hills in that area and it just goes on like that it's a snapshot film surely like i I understand what he's coming from but i think there is a rebuttal there to that and i had a, a retro view this week from variety which said uh, it's just more of a general review and it says uh, the first 40 minutes attempt to show the developing relationships among the guys screenwriter and co-producer jim karabatos has perfectly attempt 
has been per particularly attentive, delineating the tensions between the blacks and whites in the group. More than an hour is devoted to the protective effort to scale the indistinguished piece of Vietnamese real estate of the title. As physically impressive as some of it is, the action also proved dispiriting and depressing as the soldiers helplessly slide down the muddy slopes in the rain and then inevitably picked off by enemy gunfire. And that again, my rebuttal to that is, the bleakness of that battle is the movie's greatest strength, surely. I would agree, it's representing the battle. Yeah, <laughs> like, what do you want? What more do you want from the movie? Because that's the issue with these reviews. I saw a lot of them and I was like, you're moaning about this movie, but nowhere are you saying how this could have been improved. The one review that I liked, and it was from a, I mean, this is really involved. I went on the internet archive and I found a, a college newspaper from 1987. I forget the, uh, the college now, um, but it said maybe the movie would have been better if, it had, if you'd seen it through Doc's eyes. And that was that was an actual review that was like, we've seen all this before, we've seen Platoon, we've seen From Mortal Jacket, we've seen Apocalypse Now, we know Vietnam was was a horrible war to fight in. Yeah. But the movie had a great character, it just didn't do enough with him. That was the one review that I thought was like, oh, okay, you're actually offering up a reason why you didn't like this movie. Yeah, I think I think <laughs> an African American black perspective mm. on the Vietnam War at that point would have been fantastic. I mean, yeah. I don't think we, we still haven't really had that. Not really. Get so the five bloods. In, that was a good attempt. Yeah. Um, um, so in 86, that would have been huge. Sorry, mm. 87. Mm. Well, we get we all nearly get it. I think we almost get it um, with the characters I think, that I think represented. that movie makes a very good point in that it does show the tensions between white and black soldiers really well. Yeah. And it also shows the way that combat melded them together mm -hmm. and the experiences yeah. of the war. And I think that the... And the way the NCOs delicately handled those situations, yeah, I think I agree. came across as well. Mm. Um, I, mean, I mean, the film we did recently, um, Charlie Mopic, couldn't think of the name of the film then, that touches on it, where yeah. it has one of those interviews to camera where he talks about him being like a brother. Um, yeah, that's it. And, and yeah. them being different, you know, on back on back on the street in, in America, they'd be, you know, different people, but their reality is Vietnam right then and there. Mm. Yeah, they, they're friends because of the situation. Sort of yeah. get, get what you mean, yeah. But in this one, I, I do like how the, the relationship develops and by the end, they are all brothers in arms. Like, they are all friends through combat. Even the new guys, it's the same there. It's, yeah. not, it's not only, like, white-black tension, it's FNG versus people that have been in the shit for a year nearly. Yeah. You know, it the relationships that grow over that hour and 40 or whatever it is are really quite strong. They're good, they're good enough as they can be considering that hardly anyone gets any backstory and hardly mm. anyone has a real arc. Like there's no one coming in being like, I've got to get home and see my baby doll and all that. There's no cliche. There's not really any cliche. No, no, exactly. Yeah. And the cliches that are presented, I think are presented fairly. So you get a guy. Well, short time is the first one to go, isn't he? So yeah, he is. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Just, it doesn't form. No, they just blow him up like 20 minutes later. Um, that's Don Johnson's character, isn't it? Um, but the cliche that you get of a guy showing a picture of a Cadillac in a like a Life magazine, that's him just showing his mates, I'm going to get me one yeah. of them one day. It's not like him going... And the car he wants changes like three times throughout yeah, the film. It, it, exactly. And that's the little joke. You know, there's no like, oh, I'm, when I get back home, I'm going to get me a big Cadillac. There's none of that. Uh, you know, telegraphing your existence out out of existence in a war film like people do sometimes. Yeah, um, yeah, anyway, moving on. 
Um, we've got your one word reviews this week and we had another bumper stock of one word reviews. It seems like when we do the popular ones, everyone comes out. It helps when people have seen the the film, I think. (laughs) It does, does it? As a quick, (laughs) actually a quick reminder, if you didn't see on our um, Twitter account, you can watch Hamburger Hill in the UK at least for free on the Amazon website because they have a streaming service called Freevee and Hamburger Hill is one of the movies that you can watch for free on that service. And you can watch with ads, yeah. yeah. And the ads aren't I think you can rent it on a few other places too. Yeah, and, you the, YouTube you can rent it on as well. And obviously the DVD yeah. is easily available online. But anyway, getting into our one word reviews. Ken D. Campbell says Air Mobile. Uh, Pete the Paints account says Pass the Fucking Potatoes, which I quite liked. And he used Fuck that as a. one word. Fucking A, yeah. <laughs> um, Alfred Searles says Memorable. Uh, 1940 medal campaigns is underrated with a, with a few mm-hmm. of those this week. Uh, Chris Tucker said mud. Andy Johnson yeah. went with classic. Uh, Sari Thomas went don't mean no thing, and then Ken underneath said no, not a thing, and then that was a bit of a <laughs> bit of a no thing train going on there. Uh, Inflexible Daggett said surreal, and Gary from Calais said superb, and then we had a couple of people who said underrated. Um, and then Philip Amaro went one further and said, great combat scenes, cringeworthy dialogue, but less than acceptable. Gave it a seven out of ten. Ooh, full review. Contention there. But by and large, I think it was I think it was it's a movie that is sort of This is why it's interesting yeah. to get to get people's opinions on these things. I think that's half the fun of one way reviews. It is. Um I, I I agree with the the underrated aspect of this, and we've already touched on on that, and we'll probably touch on it more in, in final thoughts. Yeah. But I think it's probably time for some alley tally. What do you think? Oh, I think it is. It's time for alley tally on fighting on film. So. Ali Tally, the feature where we, if you haven't listened before, the feature where we talk about the cool kit and things in the film. Rob, what have you got this week? So this is a movie for me where every time I watch it, I end up picking something else out. And yeah, um, and the more you learn about the Vietnam War, the more you know about the, U- the US Army in Vietnam and all, and all that, the more you read up, um, there's more you notice. So there's a few things I'll pick out, and they're very small things, but they make the movie just feel a lot more real. So in the opening sequence, after you get that fantastic, and I mean, it is a fantastic transition from the Memorial Wall in DC to them evacuating out of a, of a hot LZ um, at the yeah. start. After you get that, they're in a, a, a hamlet or like a little village and that there's Rio trucks coming in with resupply and you get the, the new intake of FNGs and that's how you're introduced to the... To the uh... But as they go into that hamlet, there, there's this lovely little sort of wide shot of some some like some shacks being or huts being rebuilt and there's three or four vietnamese troops they look like vc if you didn't if you didn't know like what i'll, I'll explain it if you didn't know you know you didn't know they were Ameri- if working for the americans in the south vietnamese you think they were vc because they're wearing black pajamas and i was checking out their kit and they had m16 bandoliers wrapped around their waist and they had m16s and i was like i know that program i know what they're meant to be so I went, hit the books, finally found the name of it. Um, <laughs> took me about half an hour. But they are, I think, anyway, this is this is me. I'm not clutching because I think it's what they're meant to be. Um, they're meant to be Vietnamese Revolutionary Development Cadre members. They were pro-South um, Vietnamese. 
and they would go into hamlets, villages, and they would help spread the word of democracy and free elections. And, um, you know, just like, you know, prop up the South's cause in areas where they thought the insurgency or the guerrilla units might come in. Um, and they would wear the Vietnam Republic of. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And they would wear uniforms like the, the people who work the, the farms or work the villages or in the villages. So it would make them more friendly to, to you know, rather than the GI coming in in, in jump boots and, and third pats, you get a, a, a someone who looks like yourself coming in and teaching you, oh, you can have elections and things. But it's such a small little detail. I really liked it because I thought, when have they ever been in a movie? Probably never. Um, mm. And there's a there's a good AFBN um advert about that and that's how i learned what they were because i knew i'd heard of it before and talking of afbn there's segments of the afbn radio in the background at their base um and then there's just little things like han the uh the vietnamese soldier with the fake rpg yeah. when france is giving the lecture he's a product of the chu hoi program which was a, a program that was um offered up to nva or uh, vc members who would want to come over and defect to the um to, to the south or the american cause and they get money or they get you know incentives to come over and then there's a, a great little detail where he says well he'll, he'll eat all our rations and he'll go back to his own lines that used to happen quite a lot um and and that's a nice little inclusion because it's all these little things that make it just a lot a lot more believable and fng's getting told you know you can write a letter on a, a c-rat box and it'll get sent back like the, yeah if you listen to afbn radio clips and you listen to like just read like literature about the vietnam war they're like hammering home like the army is this whole system and it works for you and this is what you can get out of your time in vietnam like it's not just about serving your time here it's about free postage it's about this that and the other it, it just elevates the movie a lot more obviously when you know it you know it but it elevates it and that, that for me is why the movie again is so good because i think there's things that this one does that perhaps Platoon didn't do as well and perhaps FMJ doesn't do as well, like for yeah. me at least. No, I agree. I think the, the mise-en-scene of it is on point. Mm. It really it's is. Small that whole, details. The establishing shot of the Hamlet is is amazing. Mm. You've got, I think there's there's um, Walker Bulldog tanks in the background Yeah, I as think well. they're Bulldogs. They would have tanks. been Arben as well, I think. Arben um, tanks, yeah, perhaps. That's that's a really nice inclusion. Um like I said, it was all shot in in, in the Philippines. Mm. Yeah, I agree totally. Uh, go on, Rob Carr. And just to round out, I mean, the the way that the the troops go into battle with their rope, you know, they're the sort of jump rope tied around them. Yeah, they're, they're load carrying. Very noticeable. Like the load. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live, from ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for the award winning seating. They always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at Burrow.com slash ACAST. That's Burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. 
That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Carrying frames with just guys have got different things on the back. Some guys have got sea ration cans in socks. Some guys have got extra water bottles. Some guys have got like ponchos wrapped around them. It's just that little little individuality of men. No, there's not, no one's too regimented. They've all got their own sort of look as well. And it's just another yeah. thing that these that those late eighties war movies they all did it where you get the sort of individuality through equipment coming in and it just it just elevates the movie and I just love it it's just great like and the greened out screaming eagles patches as well that's really nice loads of little little details like that that make this movie for me so so Matt what about you well jumping off the screaming eagles patch I think it's interesting that that's one of the things that the film apparently gets wrong. I'm not I'm by no means an expert when it comes to Vietnam uniform, et, et cetera. Mm. But apparently the, the airborne units were very uh, dead set on keep, keeping their, their bright, colourful unit patches yeah, rather than going for more subdued too. ones. And I think it plays into that whole unit identity and, mm-hmm. and esprit de corps and heritage and, and, and that sort of thing where you've, you've got the, these guys with the carabiners and the jump ropes, which are yeah. just dead weight, really. I mean... Yeah. They're, they're there because that's what they were issued and carried and it's part of their airborne heritage um i think that's a really interesting inclusion but in terms of weapons everyone everyone is uh, carrying a um it's an xm 16 e1 right when it, apparently in fact the 101st were all armed with m16 a1s which had the bird cage flash hider and i really liked um some of the aspects of weapon handling in this film I thought mm-hmm. the stressed combat reloads were great. So you, yeah. you see like the FNGs, the new guys, they're really paying attention to making sure that magazine goes in. Mm-hmm. Um, there's some, there's some other stuff I'll talk about in a moment, but everyone has like a slightly different way of like cocking the, the reload. M16. It's nice. Yeah, yeah. And doing the reload. It's, it's all because it's combat stress. There's like and one the guy from hammering that forward assist. Yeah. The, like the half, from, half remembering what they've been taught at boot camp. Yeah. And, and in their you know, infantry training. And then it's just what the functions yeah. can do at that moment, climbing up a, a muddy hill under fire. Mm. And I really like the way that they, they portrayed that. Um, tape jungle mags. This is Beautiful. the ultimate alley tally, Rob, because France, is, France start, is in the back of that, that, um, that truck. Literally, he slips on a, <laughs> a, a moisture mag. cover onto the end of his... Um, yeah, it's nice. His, his muzzle. Last uh, puts an elastic band over it and then proceeds to tape up a couple of his mags. Mm-hmm. And you you never see jungle <laughs> bag nice. mags being made in a film. You see yeah. them getting used, but you never see them getting made. And that's and the, the thing, thing about of him is, being this. He's been in country a long time. Exactly, he knows, he knows what, what he's doing. And yeah. the thing I really liked about that scene was one of the new guys watches him put that cover over his muzzle, you know, keep moisture out, etc. And then quietly does exactly the same thing because he's seen yeah. him do it. Yeah. Um, and I, I really like that scene um, where he, he copies him. Um, I I don't know about you, but I felt the weight of those M60s as they were trying to like drag them up the hill. Yes. Yeah, everyone. Where Don Cheadle finally ends up with 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 the M60, and he's mm-hmm. he's trying to like lug it up the hill. It's just you could feel it. Yeah, you could feel yeah, the weight. And, and all those guys with their you know their, their lug, they've got all their kit on them because obviously when you know when you're taking a hill, you've got to be prepared to defend it right after. Yeah. So that's yeah. why they've they've got their load bearing equipment with them. Yeah, that's why there's an excessive amount of NGs because you've got to defend that hill if you take it. So, and you feel them, like you feel every boot step, every sort of, you know, clamber for, for a muddy rock or something. It's it's really, there's a weight to every single movement in the movie. Yeah. And even down to, 
as we were saying about France, like when the he's telling the N79 grenade launcher where he wants where he wants them to put the rounds down, like he knows instinctively off his head what a 75 degree angle is. He's like, that's where I want it. And he shows the yeah. gunner. And it's like, this guy's slick. He knows his drills. And it's when you watch, um, that's why I like his character a lot, because when you watch uh, uh, like a late 70s, uh, early 70s, late 60s news reports, a lot of the guys coming in uh, are draftees or conscripts. You know, they're, they're doing their one year and they want to leave, but they really lean into the old, and they're not old, that's probably the same age as them, but they lean into the, the NCOs who have been there longer than they have, and they really lean into them and they'll do and die for them because they respect them and it is a thing out of respect i think this movie does well to put a lot on the nco characters as they teach the men there it shows how that works i really like the representation of raw recruits and um senior ncos i really like that just the the whole way the movie deals with that i think is really really good it is and i think the scene with the uh the 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 M79 grenade launcher, the the blooper, is and is really interesting because Boletsky's fumbling with it. Mm. He's in his first firefight. He doesn't know what the fuck's going on. And, and, you know, and, and as and he does it, the, it opens he's, again. He's, he's trying to lift up. He's, yeah. he's, he's trying to lift up the site, but he hasn't closed the action, and it's going all over the place. He's fumbling. He he's about to just give up. I think mm. when Franz takes it off him, closes the action, and then goes because he knows That's it. it. It's That's instinctive. It. Yeah. Um, you see that a lot. A lot of the guys did fire them instinctively. They didn't really use the sights because mm. once you do this over and over again, you get a feel for the angle that the grenade yeah. is going to fly at. Yeah. And that's that's yeah. what exactly plays into that. Someone that's been here longer than you knows how mm-hmm. to do these things because they've been doing it for like eight months, nine months, 10 months, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, in terms of the, um, the North Vietnamese weapons, I think it's really interesting that you get a smattering of AK-47s, uh, Chinese Type 56s, which are AKs. And then yeah. you also get the Chinese Type 56 SKSs as well. And they That's play nice. a fairly prominent role. And as we know, they were widely used by you know, the Viet Cong and the NBA. Mm-hmm. And it's great to see that represented in the film. Yeah. Although the machine gun side of things isn't quite as good for the film. Oh my god, Matt was in the WhatsApp. Matt was like, "They've got M60 inch rounds," <laughs> and I was like, "Yeah, I, know. I was like, I know you're the armor's bench. I know you are, okay." But I was like, in my head, they've come out at night and they've taken them off of the dead GIs with a load of ammunition, and they're just using them. It's just these men here, other than men on the ridge line. They've got RPKs. Don't worry. <laughs> I was patting Matt down. I was like, "Don't worry, it's fine." It's true. I, I've cooled. I've cooled a little bit on it. Um, cooled off. Yeah, it's cool. yeah, yeah. Um, I know what you mean, though. It is a, a slight immersion break. But if you didn't yeah. know, it's not. No, exactly, exactly. Deal, it's it's a small thing, it. and I, I will accept your head cannon from here. I think on it out. makes sense. It know. does. Yeah, I could see that happening. There's only, you but only was, see two of them, so mm, there's another little bit of a historical context there. The way that they the movie reiterates that you look, you know, you are fighting the NBA. You're not fighting the VC. You're fighting NBA I love regulars. That. I love that. Where he goes, it's Nathaniel Victor, not yeah. Victor Charlie that Charlie, you're fighting here. Yeah, yeah. Like I the, love that. Making the difference between actual, you're fighting actual army, you know, better trained yeah. troops with better equipment. It's a thing that not other, some other non-films just don't bother mentioning. 
No, um, they don't. It's true. They're all just VC and that's it, isn't it? Really? Yeah, exactly. If you want to get technical, it's the or PA, Charlie, you know, VN, the People's Army of Liberation of North Vietnam. Um, but yeah, but I love that. It's another thing I love the movie. It, it gets the detail really nice, really well. Yeah, um, it's the fact that it makes the effort to get these details it, exactly. into the film, which really yeah. endears you to it, I think. Um, it doesn't feel like a cliched version of Norm. Um, no. Just, I think that's why, again, why I like it. It isn't men just going out on a jungle patrol, making a little bit of contact and getting choppered out at the end. They're fighting an actual battle. Yeah. Because um, I think that sometimes the the war, the Vietnam War in movies, at least, gets boiled down to they went, they were at a firebase, they went out and did patrolling, they came home. But no, they're at, it's a war. There are actual operations. There are strategic battles. You know, it's something that sometimes through the co- the pop culture of Vietnam can get lost. Um, so I think it's another reason why this movie is good. Yeah. So anything else before we go on to Fate one last Sinks? final shout out to Hans um, Whittled mocked up RPG two. I think that's, that is that's nice. the last thing I've got on there. That's great. Yeah, I remember. I just love that little with... that little close up shot of him of him smiling with with it over his shoulder, aimed directly says at them. so much. Yeah, it's it so great. I remember watching it with a friend at uni. He thought the RPG was real. He was like, he's gonna shoot him. I was like, <laughs> I think I'm clearly not gonna. Like, I always think that's quite good. Um, but yeah, moving on to favorite scenes. Hello there. Sorry to interrupt. I wanted to let you know that you can now join our supporting cast over on Patreon. As thanks for your support, you'll be able to help us pick films, submit questions for guests, have first pick on brand new and exclusive merch, and much more. Thank you for your support. Now back to the show. So Matt, Hamburger Hill, favourite scene? Anything with Doc in, I think. Yeah. He, yeah. He any scene, any scene with him because he steals this film so good. on a number yeah. of levels. He's great in it. And it, you just you you warm to his character because he cares about the men, but he's also yeah. funny. Um mm-hmm. and I like the relationship he has with friends and Motown. And I just think they build his character really well. I mean, that bit where after the um sequence where they've been at the river swimming and there's there's um uh, vietnamese artillery comes in and they yeah. find an, a new guy dead and he says you're gonna have to tell them to put spare dog tags in their boots because his friends goes, who is up. this guy and he goes how the fuck do i know he <laughs> hasn't got a head he's got no fucking head yeah it's yeah you feel for him like as a medic you feel for his yeah. like profession like as well yeah. You know, you know, you feel like he cares. He, you know, he's my, he's in my favorite scenes as well. One of the scenes I like most is when Joe is listening back to a tape um, yeah. sent by his girlfriend. And there's a lot of things that happen in that scene and in the following scene that are really interesting because it's a tape he hasn't heard from his girlfriend in months. With one guy's already had a like a, a dear Jane letter where, where it's telling him she's not going to yeah. write him any more letters because they're friends it's at college. Goddamn draft dodgers. Yeah, and I love all I love all the 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 like the colloquial slang that comes out of it. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so he's Joe's listening back to this tape, and you can tell that she's like a, a classic all American like sweetheart of a girl, yeah. and she's girl like, next door type. Yeah. You know, smile a bit more in photographs. It'll help your parents. That kind of shit. You know, mm. she's caring about his parents while he's away, which is nice. Um, you. It's like a high school sweetheart situation. You get yeah. the vibe. Yeah. And it's really interesting because the way that develops, it's also a commentary on how the war was perceived at home at the time. 
So you have lots of um, talk around what are you going to be like when you go home with Motown? Um, he, yeah, you know, he yeah. says he's going to wear, it's a different scene, but it all comes together. He, you know, he says, I'm going to wear my jump boots and medals and walk down Main Street. And mm. they, they say, you aren't going to do that. But, you know, um, and I think it's really interesting because it's one of the new guys that tells him he can't do that or he won't yeah. be able to do that or he shouldn't do that, I should say. Because he's seen um, it back home. He has. He's seen yeah. the reaction to the war. He knows that public opinion has turned on it and the opinion of the war. By 69, it the, really was. Yeah, yeah, amongst the general population, it completely turned. Um, and he's been there, he's seen it, and he's the one that's able to tell someone that has been in country for much longer that things are really different. You know, you're not going to be able to do that. You're not going to get the reaction that you think you're going to get. And mm. there's loads of little anecdotal t- tales about uh, someone who'd lost a son that gets like harassed by yeah. Um, yeah. by hippies, etc. And and there's loads of really interesting things that play into this discussion of how the war was perceived at home mm. compared to how these guys are coping with it in Vietnam. Yeah, you know, you and, feel like the, feel chant, like the, the chant that Doc and Motown have. Um, you don't mean a thing. thing. You don't, you don't, mean, you don't thing. mean nothing. They mean nothing. Yeah. yeah. It, it says a um, lot. Yeah, it does. It, go. it does. Yeah. And I like, it's how we mentioned earlier. I, I like how a lot is put upon these men <laughs> from people back home who don't give a fuck about them. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I think that is such a hard hitting scene where you get on one hand, you've got Beletsky's girlfriend who's like, look, you know, if you need to have a release out there, you need to have sex with yeah. a hooker, <laughs> do it. Like, I get it. Um, and you, know, you sort of thought, oh, and they were like, wow, you know, this guy's got a great girl. He's telling him to get laid. Yeah, you know, it's like yeah. the, the, the banter between soldiers is fantastic. But then you get that gut punch of like, you know, she's not going to, you know, another guy being like, she's not going to call me because, call me, she's not going to write me because it's immoral. And I'm like, wow. Yeah. But that's quite true, but true to life, because I'm reading at the moment, Huey by, uh, is it Mark Bowden? Mark Bowden? can never remember but i'm reading that at the moment way 1968 and there's a sergeant who's followed in that book a marine sergeant and he has letters like that to his his wife who he married before he went out um to to vietnam with the marines and they have that sort of very nice sort of relationship where he's i think he sends her letters with him dressed as a a stag with like horns because he's like really horny out there and she's sending him ones back being like, you know, next time, try to write more words, do less drawing sort of thing. It's quite sweet and nice. Um, so I do like that that is based in reality, that those those sequences, I think they do add a lot. Um, and it makes the movie a lot more human than I think some of the reviewing public or some of the viewing public at the time probably didn't give the movie credit for. Yeah, um, yeah, so I, I mean, perhaps so. Think, I think it's interesting that it comes back to um, that the veterans remarks about it, sentimentalizing yeah. individuals. And I think, mm. you know, all respect to him, but I think he kind of missed the point of the film was trying to make there. I mean, yeah, I think so. Perhaps he disagreed with the thrust of the film or, you know, maybe that's just how he perceived it. Yeah. But I think the, I wouldn't even call it sentimentalization. I would just call it character building. And it's I think so. representing an aspect of the war that men were experiencing you know it's not all jungle patrols mm. and gun battles and run into a helicopter you know it's it could have been something that Karabatsos it could have been something he personally experienced and put in there um as well so it's it, you know I'm sure yeah, it's exactly he's a veteran 
they're 68, yeah. 69. I mean, he wasn't at Hamburger Hill, but still, he's, he he's has that lived experience. Yeah, exactly. Um, for me, my, my favourite scene, or one of, there's so many in this movie, there's so many great sequences. Um, I mentioned earlier that the transition to the start is top-notch. Um, in the novelization, there is more back home. You get, you, I think you get some sequences um, with a couple of characters who, who make it out. Um, in the novelization of the movie, which I've yet right. to get a copy of. Um, but if, if I ever do, I'll put a thing on Twitter about it. But anyway, my favorite scene, one of my favorite scenes. Oh, is, in military history. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, is the toothbrushing sequence with Doc and the FN, FNGs. Yeah. FNGs. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's a lot a of rapid great Rapid vertical motion. Rapid vertical motion. Yeah. And he's saying how, um, you know, all this, all the, the diseases you can catch in in, in Vietnam. You know, good health, good um, hygiene has been uh, mouth hygiene has been linked to, to to it all, and you know, sort of brush your teeth. It's good, but there's a lot of foreshadowing in that sequence for me. Like that, that does a lot more to set up the later movie where it's the regimentedness of the army, like will help you get out of this, and learning to people who know. And Doc says it. So yeah, uh, Beletsky spits. He's not been told to spit. And he spits out his um his, his, his toothpaste and and uh doc chastises him and, and Beletsky says lighten up bro and, and doc gives him this look <laughs> you know like like doc can look at a guy in this movie you know exactly what he's thinking and he just goes i'm not your brother did i tell you to spit if you want to walk out of this fucking place you'll listen to people who know yeah great line because that's how you oh, yeah. get out and then that and then he immediately does what Doc says. And then that scene transitions into Sergeant Francis lecturing the men about the, N- the NVA. And it's just a really tight little sequence of great dialogue and then foreshadowing of how you're going to get out. And, and Beletsky's the one that does. He's the last guy you see in the movie. He, he gets to the top of the hill and the, the credits fade over him. So like he, he learns from that. And, you know, unfortunately, Doc... Spoilers, Doc doesn't make it. Um, but Beletsky made it out because he listened to people like Doc. So he's the only, yeah. the only one that has an arc, really. <laughs> like, yeah, I think so about it. Bit, yeah. But there, but I think it's interesting how we both chose. I mean, it's a movie with some very bleak, very um, gritty war battle sequences represented. You know, guys just uh, uh, guys are, are taking cover one minute and they're gone the next because of yeah. you know a, a grenade hit them or, or a shell's gone off next to them. But I think it's interesting how. We didn't choose battle sequences for our fave scenes. I think that's quite interesting. Well, the battle sequences are fantastic. They are great. Mm. I mean, we'll talk about those in a minute, I'm sure. But yeah, I th- I think almost the, the film's more interesting parts are those small little bits of minutia. The humanising people. The yeah. humanising things and the added detail that adds to the film that is what I enjoyed the most. I mean, another Agreed. of my favourites is the, the, the scene where they're coming back down the hill for like the fifth time. Yeah. Um, and they run into a, a TV crew. Um, yeah. It's not made clear whether they're Army Pictorial yeah. or the Network News or something like that. Mm. Um, but the the conversation that Franz has with, the, with them at the bottom is really interesting where, you know, he, he says something like, you haven't earned the right to be here, you know? Um, yeah. Let's just call him the news, news reporter. The news reporter is basically asking him, what do you think of this this battle? The people back home don't think it's worth fighting. Ted Kennedy says this isn't a battle worth fighting. And he's trying to get a rise out of them. Yeah. 
Um, and it's such an interesting scene, the way that Franz initially bites his lip and he glares at the guy and the news guy just says, well, it's my job. Um, mm. and, and Franz finally just says, well, I've got more respect for the bastards up the hill than I have for you. And it's one of the best scenes in the film for showing that perception of the war at home. Mm, I think it's, I like, it's see, the I, pinnacle of that. I think differently about that sequence. That's the only sequence in the movie that I didn't enjoy watching back because mm-hmm. I feel like it's a little bit ham-fisting in public opinion where it could have maybe done it a little bit better than having a guy directly say to France who's just come off <laughs> fighting on the ridge line. Yeah. Like, I think it's a little bit too ham-fisted, whereas I maybe felt like maybe they could have learned it from a newspaper or a radio report, something different. Maybe a radio they... report might have been the best way of doing it. Yeah. yeah. But like... I think I, I think the thing is, it comes from, I mean, we both read that interview from last year or last October um, with, with Ervin yeah. um, that talks about, it was driven by his experience meeting like an ABC reporter that said, where are yes. you going? I need to film some dead bodies for a report. That's And stuff yeah. that he encountered when he got back to New York and London and talking with other members of, of the press and journalists, etc. Because obviously he was a documentary filmmaker. He wasn't necessarily mm. a journalist. He was there to capture the experiences of combat photographers and, and photojournalists, yeah. um, which we're kind of a different breed to the tv news guys i get the feeling yeah there's um there's a great thing that the the way book i'm reading goes into how journalists and things were being perceived at the time and the, the marines weren't very happy yeah. to have them along but they'd happily have their own combat correspondence along um because it was an extra machine gun like <laughs> in your sort of section um but there were a few that they did respect but i think the later in the war you get the 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 journalist is who's going into countries seeing it from a lot more different angles like i know the way that uh, there's a great documentary called the the silent mutiny done in 1970 and that's all about how america's losing the war because all the draftees that are going over there to fight don't believe in it um mm. i think maybe that's that's the only time i think that with the sequence you're talking about it's the only part of the film where i feel like it's really trying to go the people back home thought this don't don't forget for you it's the only sort of bit of the movie i feel that's doing that yeah i know what you mean i i think it just the combination of of francis um you know is his interaction with the guy and the culmination of that aspect of the film i think it works just about i mean it's not my favorite scene no i, um, I get what you mean though. i just i i just like the way it, it was formed and then learning that Ervin had basis yeah. for it from his own experiences added a little bit more to it for me. So it, I know what you mean. It does come off a little bit on the nose. Can do. Yeah. Yeah. I can give or take it, but I just think looking back now, I'm sort of like, do we need this bit? <laughs> could we have had, <laughs> could we have had it differently perhaps? So before we go into like proper final thoughts, let's talk about how well shot those battle sequences were. They are I think it's so I, strong. Yeah. I think it's important to recognize that it's an hour of the movie mm. and it's intercut with, with scenes of them back down the hill, which yeah. I, I like because it, it, it does very harsh cuts between those sequences and the actual yeah. fighting. Yeah. And it's often, it's often mid gun battle or mid firefight when you yeah. rejoin them. And it yeah. works really well. I think in terms of the scale of it, I think it works really well because obviously you're following a 14 man group. It's a, mm. it's a platoon 
Yeah. Most of the time it's just a squad. But I think it shows what's going on elsewhere in the battlefield quite well within what they can see, obviously. No, it's I not showing it the whole scope yeah. of the battle. Um, and you've got the scene that really sticks, I think, with a lot of people that see it, of the friendly fire from the Hueys mm-hmm. um, making gun runs with the M60s. I think, uh, I, th- I think, is it Dusty, the, uh, the, the M60 gunner that gets killed yeah. in the friendly fire? Um, and he's already badly wounded, but he goes back into mm. the fight. Yeah. So it's even worse, you know? Um, all of those sequences are really well choreographed. The cinematography on them is is top-notch, I think. Some of the editing, I think we talked about before we began recording, might be a little bit smash-cutty in places. I think so, but it, it's Showing trying, explosions and death. Yeah, it's trying to do something that I don't, I don't think maybe in 87 was quite there yet, where it's trying mm. to show men being there one moment and then being blown up and, and um, like they just vanished because the, the way the explosions happen it's just yeah it's, it's almost them. like a um an evolution of the just showing yeah. a parish like smoking boots kind sort of, thing of like sometimes. yeah i know what you mean yeah. it's that watched a hd version of it on the the free v which i assume was a hd version anyway great great restoration anyway as good as you can get yeah as you can, yeah um but i think maybe that maybe it it showed it up perhaps but then there's maybe. also there's also great things where it's got like shaky cam like that would be "Quote unquote invented for Saving Private Ryan in 1998. Yeah, yeah. like that's that's not an invention by as much as that production would have you believe. It's not really that movie's invention. It's a technique of doing it is the movie's invention. But Shaky Cam's been there for years. Like yeah. this movie does it every now and then, and it's I think a little bit <laughs> too right at times. But I get what they're going for. But in terms of the, the grittiness and the bleak." They're just the bleak aspect of fighting up that hill. It, it just yeah. it makes it look hard. It makes it look tough on the men, um, especially especially. When... Sorry, go on. No, no, please go, go. Especially the, the the bit towards the the climax of the film where they're really sliding down that hill. The rain and there's men tumbling. That's literally mm, what I was about exactly. to say. Like, and they were like, "Come on!" You know, they were like, "Come on!" And they're all trying to clamber onto the hill, and yeah. and, and there's a guy getting like. You know, having a fight with an with an MVA just above this ridge, and they're trying to get to him and keep falling back, and you really feel for him. You're like, come on, like this is this. It always feels, no matter when the battle is going on in the movie, apart from at the very end, I always feel like they're one foot away from doing it, yeah, and then they're back down, yeah. and it's and this is where I think where the movie's weakness comes in, and I know what we're gonna say. It's the fucking soundtrack. It's the score yeah. by Philip Glass. Yeah. It is so out of place. It, it's hard to put your finger on it, I think, because it, it's like overly jingoistic. Yeah, I, I think quite, it's, it's I doing get jingoistic, it. but it's trying to do it ironically almost. But then I feel by trying to do it ironically, it's cheapening its own like weight if you know what I mean. Perhaps so. I mean, not to take anything away from Philip Glass, he's a fantastic no, composer. No, of course not. But um, with it, a fantastic body of work, but I don't think it adds a lot to the film. I think, that, I think the best thing about the film in terms of music is actually the songs they pick. Yeah. So, it, I mean, just to run through some of them, you've got A Man Loves a Woman by Percy Sledge. Uh, you've got Sitting on Dock of the Bay with Otis Redding. Then you've got I Feel Like I'm Fixing to Die by uh, Country Joe and the Fish. You've got I Wish It Would Rain by The Temptations, Give Me Some Lovin' by the Spencer Davis Group, 
uh, and we're going to get out of this place by the by the animals. Yeah, that the transition of that using the animal that using that song is so good. You know where the movie's going because they literally take you there in the Hueys. Like it's a great yeah. way of moving your movie from right. We're leaving the base now. We're going to do the battle part of our film. It's such a great way of doing it, and that's and I do agree. When the movie uses a contemporary music of the time, it's a lot stronger. I'm sure yeah. they could have chosen a contemporary song to play over those sections and it wouldn't have taken anything away. It may have even added something. I think the, the battle sequences were at their best where there was just no score at all. Yeah. Or soundtrack. No, I, I agree. And when I think they and, weren't the best. And this is the thing. When when the mute soundtrack comes in, it, I, I felt like I was like, why are you playing it now? You don't need to. Yeah. Yeah. I agree there. Yeah. It, like it, you're taking it away from it. It felt like it was perhaps played at the wrong moments in time yeah, at times I yeah so. i know what you mean but i love i love the soundtrack this film i mean i love that kind of music anyway but i think it fits in with the time and it also represents the men really well so you got all that soul and motown but then you've got like country songs by will and jennings which all have a commentary on vietnam anyway when you think about it you've got that interesting commentary as well where is it Boletsky? where he has that confrontation after oh with doc yeah with, yeah and you know, he says, well, I'm no different to you. Why, why do you think I'm not middle class? Yeah. You know, and that class element comes in at that part of the film. And I think there's loads of interesting stuff you can read into that. And it, Definitely. it's all playing off of elements that were actually present at the time. Mm. I, th I think the film does that really well. So not only are those battle sequences great, but I, I think all those other aspects of, of the commentary and the way that the characters interact in a way that feels authentic. Mm. It, it no, shows racial right. tension, the growth of a squad with, with new guys, and then those new, new guys that turn up. And, and you just think, oh, God, there's, there's replacements from this already. Yeah, exactly. Like, it, it, it's relentless, isn't it? It's a relentless yeah. film. Yeah. Um, my only criticism of the movie, like, I love this movie. I hope you haven't guessed. Like, it's one of my favourite favorite non films, favourite films of all time. I don't know why. It just resonates with me. It always has done. The only thing that annoys me with this fucking movie is that it was snubbed for any awards. It didn't yes. get any. Like, it, it's so irritating. I think Full Metal Jacket and Platoon absolutely dwarfed it in terms of what it's what those movies have given to the popular consciousness. We're critically quoting, as well. Yeah, and critically too. We're always quoting FMJ. We're always thinking about Charlie Sheen and the drug taking and, and the burning of huts in Platoon. But we don't think about the men slogging up a hill in Hamburger Hill. And maybe no. that's because it's an unpopular, even an unpopular battle back home. It could be all that. It could even be the cast not being household names. I mean, Don Cheadle is obviously, and you know, Courtney B. Vance and McDermott are great actors. Everyone in it is a great actor, but they don't go on to have that established career that perhaps some of them would have wanted. And John Irving as well. He's a little bit of a, He's a, he's a different great kind director, of director that probably isn't recognised yeah, for exactly. doing some of the films he's done, I think. Yeah, and I think that's why I love it as well, because it's just like a little bit of a hidden gem, even though it isn't a hidden gem. Like, it's a big studio picture. Yeah, so it, and it, it did well. Yeah, it did well. Exactly. Like, it, it made its money back, I think. and But unfortunately, it, it's in that glut of movies we got in 87, 90, it sort of like, it just gets lost, I think, sometimes. Yeah, it does a little bit. But in, in general, I think in terms of cinematography, direction, performances, the actual, the writing and, and characterization, yeah. I think it all comes together really, mm. really well and makes, 
makes a film that's quite special within the genre yeah. and definitely thing, has its place. We've proven by talking about it that it's much more than a generic combat movie. Like there's a lot more in there. Um, I mean, p- perhaps the reason why people don't chime with it as much as it's it's more of a straightforward. Yeah, it's not like an movie. RT. Yeah, yeah, I think so. And it's not like a, it's not like oh, it's Coppola, oh, it's Kubrick, oh, let's shower it with praise and gongs and gifts. Sort of, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's not like that. It's a, it is more of a straight, art combat war film. Um, Although yeah. it's got nuance, which we've talked about. Well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> So if you haven't seen Hamburger Hill yet, please, please go and find it. As we've mentioned in the pod, you can watch it for free in the UK. We're not sure about the US. If you know in the US how you can watch it for free, let us know on the Twitter. Thanks again for the Patreons for picking this one. Uh, and next month, there'll be another four movies for you to choose. But as always, follow us on Twitter. We hope you enjoyed the episode. Follow us on Facebook as well. And we'll catch you next week for another episode of Fighting the Film, when I think... We are doing an episode on your, i.e. listeners and Twitter followers, favourite war sequences in non-war films. So look out for that. Yeah, that's going to be interesting because there's a lot there's a lot to be discussed there, I think. Catch you next week. Bye, guys. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus. Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.